WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. As Mark Cavalli is reporting at TheAthletic.com, Lev Bell will be a free agent next year unless the Steelers franchise him again, which the Steelers will not do. That's even if Bell doesn't play at all this season. If he doesn't sign the tag and report by November 13th, Bell can't play this season, not for the Steelers or for anybody. So my guess is Bell's not going to show up at all. Like I said, the Steelers' worst nightmare now is that Bell does report. Ever. Hopefully the Steelers have already moved on from Bell. I think Bell's intent was always to sit the entire season. But what if Bell needs cash and shows up on November 13 for six quick paydays, gained through expending minimal effort, or maybe faking injury like James Harrison said? What if he's fat and he's high and he just doesn't give a crap? If Bell wants to report, should the Steelers rescind the franchise tag? In a vacuum, yes. In a vacuum, absolutely. But James Harrison showed the Steelers last year that no team operates in a vacuum. Even though Harrison's impact on New England was way overrated, Harrison going to New England made the Steelers look foolish and manipulated to the benefit of a big rival. I'm absolutely certain the Steelers don't want to go through that again. I'm also absolutely certain they don't want Bell to sign and report. The Steelers don't want either of those things, but those two things could wind up at loggerheads. Bell might be out of shape and hurt whatever team he'd go to if the Steelers rescinded the tag. He also might go to New England and play in a Super Bowl. So, what should the Steelers do if Bell tries to sign and report? 412-333-WXDX. wear boots, and you've got to believe me. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I, boy, that's a tough one. I would probably rescind the franchise tag, even though it could go badly in the way it went badly when James Harrison finagled his way away from the Steelers, because no good will come from Le'Veon Bell rejoining this team. Now, Oh, by the way, Fairies Wear Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping to build the right way since 1956. Now, part of the problem in this scenario is, or maybe it's a different problem, and you're going to disagree with me when I say this, and perhaps I am wrong because the numbers right now say that I am. But I don't think James Conner is the number one running back. And I know he leads the AFC in rushing. At least Dulac said that. I was not aware but. I know Connors had some good moments like the fourth quarter at Tampa, but James Conner is not a number one running back, and I know he's averaging 4.5 yards per carry. That's good, and that's a half yard better than Bell last year. But do you feel comfortable with Connor being the top guy in your rushing attack for 16 games plus playoffs? Because I do not. And the guy's making the most of his opportunity. Imagine if you're James Conner right now. 
and you've had this dropped in your lap. The number one job with a chance to hold on to it, and they would like him to hold on to it through next year, moving forward. It's awesome. And yeah, he's a good guy, cancer survivor. I heard he even went to pit. But I'm not so sure he could deliver over the long haul. I'd be delighted to be proven wrong. Absolutely delighted. By the way, you know what I've come to realize is really good about this show? A lot of things. Because I have charisma coming out the yin-yang. I ooze it. I ooze charisma. I ooze machismo. I ooze a lot of things. But you know how most local shows operate? And tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong about this. You have two or three guys on mic, which is the lazy way out in the first place, unless you're a morning show. You have two or three guys on mic, and that's still not enough. They go right away yesterday. What's your take on James Harrison telling Le'Veon Bell to fake an injury? Dial the number, and that way we don't have to prepare material. Tell me every show around here isn't like that. Let's just take some calls. And then... Uh, today it would be, well, Kabali's reporting that Bell's going to be a free agent no matter what. Should they rescind the franchise tag? Let's take some calls. And yes, I did just say that, and it took me till 5 after 4 with a show that starts at 3, and I still might not take calls. I haven't taken a call yet today. It's me, it's creativity, it's charisma, and you are lucky to have me. Uh, getting back to the pens, I spoke earlier about how much I liked the third line last night. Broussard, Rust, and Simone. And one reason I like it is because Rust is on right wing. I know Rust can play left wing. I know Rust is willing to play left wing. That doesn't mean he should. Rust is much better at right wing. And I would rather have Rust at right wing and get the most out of him, a versatile guy who's helped win two Stanley Cups, then I would move Sprong further up the lineup. I don't want Rust at left wing so Sprong could play top six or top nine or whatever. I want to get the best I can out of Rust because the best out of Rust is help produce some pretty good results. It's the same way with Twitter. I put a Twitter poll up like once a month, right? Other shows every day, Twitter poll, Twitter poll, Twitter poll, Twitter poll, Twitter poll. The one I just saw is since Eric Reed signed with, with Carolina, the B team got, who would you rather have at safety, Eric Reed or Morgan Burnett? Well, that's not an option now, is it? I mean, for God's sakes, monologue, dialogue, preparation, creativity. I know they reshuffled the cards in the same old tired deck to try to catch up with me. It ain't going to work that way. Guys over there got talent. They should use their talent. But you know what? This isn't a passion for them the way it is for me. There's maybe one or two guys over there for whom it's a passion like it is for me. Well, we wasted enough time saying how marvelous I am. I'm looking right now at the picture Ovi in the Liverpool shirt holding up the scarf, posing next to the Premiership Trophy, which Liverpool hasn't won. Uh, Jesse Marshall, my friend from TheAthletic.com, he tweeted, well, maybe this jinxes Liverpool. Well, maybe not, because the Capitals did just win the Cup. First time ever. 
Liverpool could win the league first time, long time. If that would happen, I would pose for a picture with me, Ovi, the Premiership Trophy, and the Cup, and I would wear a Capitals jersey. Okay, I wouldn't wear a Capitals jersey. Let's go to the first call of the day. Let's go to Jeff and Overbrook. Jeff, you're on with Double M. Jeff, couldn't wait that extra couple seconds. Derek, in 84, Derek, you're on with Mark. Hi, Mark. How's it going? What's up? Um, I wanted to talk about James Conner a little bit. So, I, at 4.5, I'm, everywhere I'm looking, I see 3.9, um, which is just slightly under Bell. Which I think that's about what Bell was at last year. You, you said but Conner's th- averaging 3.9 yards per carry right now? Yes, 3.9. That doesn't – oh, wait, you're right. I was looking at the average from – uh, the game against the bronze. I got the columns mixed up. Yes, 3.9. Well, that feeds into what I've been saying. I just don't see him as number one running back. How about you? I don't either, but I don't think we're asking James Conner to be Le'Veon Bell, and, and, and I don't think he'll ever be Le'Veon Bell. What we're asking him is to be a ha- a decent number one and sort of by the committee pr- approach. I think Ridley's coming Yeah, but, but they don't have – the other guys aren't good enough to do it by committee. I think they have to lean on Conner. I mean, I don't think Ridley and Samuel stink, but it ain't like the Troika they had in New England last year or had in Philadelphia last year, is it? And if you no. want to do running back by committee, you know, you don't need a star, but your second and third guys have to be better than the Steelers have. Uh, or, or maybe you could get, maybe maybe if you had a better number one to slot in there, you know, like a, and Connor slid down and, I don't know, Ridley slid down, maybe that would be good enough. And maybe this is good enough. I completely agree with you, Mark, and I think next year you'll see them draft a running back early, try and do a committee approach. you got corner cheap. Well, I would say draft draft a running back in the third round because, you know, you had like, you know, how many guys? Hunt Kamara, you know, that turned out to be so good coming out of, of, of that part of the draft. But I think they'll probably just pick another backup quarterback. Actually, what I did was I, I – uh, Connor averaged 4.5 last year. It's 3.9 this year, so thanks for the correction. Let's do it in private next time. And uh, that's not good enough. And I and I don't see Connor as the number one back. But again, I'd be delighted to be proven wrong. Let's go to Bill and Ross Draver. Bill, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Right. Hey, um, I'm talking about uh, franchises living on Bell next year. Why would you do that? That's absolutely insane. Well, I'm I'm doing it with the premise of him never playing a snap for the Steelers. We franchise him. I guess you just had twenty five. Yep. Twenty five million for him. Yep. We franchise him, and then we tell his agent, "You go out and find a team that's going to give you." Yeah, all they're this just not going to do that. Because what if they franchise him and he signs the tag? Well, we want him to sign the tag. No, 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 and you then don't. And we want to trade him. Nobody's going to trade for a running back making $25 million. Nobody well, wants they, to pay a running will. back $25 re- million for one season. That's They'll insane. Re-negotiate a no, contract. it's a dumb idea. See you later, dumbass. I've been to Ross Draver. I would say it's probably something in the water, except I'm sure it's something in the water. I can't believe people out there that stupid to misread a situation totally. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. We got Marty, Tyler, and Jeff on hold. We got Josh Owey talking hockey at the bottom of the hour, and Penguins winger Dominic Simone.
the flavor du jour at 530. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. PX at 105.9. A movie's coming out. It's a remake of A Star is Born. It's actually the fourth remake. No kidding. Uh, the most popular one, well, the one in my wheelhouse was Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. The aging male rock star takes the young female rock star under his wing, bangs her, falls in love, and then she outshines him, which causes the aging male rock star to become reckless and die. I'm not sure if that's the exact plot for the remake, but uh, I just found out that the inspiration for Bradley Cooper's character, he plays the aging male rock star, is Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. So I will not be watching that movie. It had a chance till they invoked Vedder. Until then, it had a chance. Uh, something really nice happened today. Phil Kessel was in Washington, D.C. And he received the Excellence in Cancer Awareness Award at the Prevent Cancer Foundation's 26th Annual Luncheon at the Library of Congress. His sister, Amanda, quite the hockey player too, presented him with the award. And uh, Phil, of course, beat testicular cancer in 2006. He was with the Boston Bruins then. And this shows a, a human side of Phil, dare I say, that we don't always get to see, especially us members of the media. But good for Phil. I think he's a good guy. I think he's just quirky. And boy, that describes a lot of us. We've been talking about the Lev Bell situation. I think the last thing the Steelers want is for Lev Bell to show even an inkling that he's going to sign the franchise tag and rejoin the team. And I asked earlier, should the Steelers rescind the franchise tag if if Lev wants to come back? Because I think he'd be fat, high, and toxic. And there's evidence to... All three. Those recent videos, the rap video and the jet ski video, he looks overweight. He's been suspended twice for marijuana, hence the high. And he's always been toxic, so fat, high, and toxic. Would you pay a guy that's fat, high, and toxic that might well come and give minimal effort 850k per game to give minimal effort and disrupt your team? I would not. Uh, now, then he could go to New England or wherever. But I would rescind the tag before I'd let him rejoin the Steelers. Uh, Juice tweets, do you think they will trade Bell or just ride it out? Uh, I can't think of any team that would want Bell, that would give up an asset for Bell to make it worth the Steelers' while, given his shenanigans. Then again, I'm not sure that... that I think he might have screwed up his free agency. Might have. It only takes one team. But now, boy, you couldn't vet anything about him. You could try. It would be difficult. I think any team that's interested in Bell would rather wait till the offseason and really vet what they're going to get as opposed to making a decision on the fly now. Let's go to the Swabby and Dorbon. Swabby, you're on with Double M. How you doing, Mark? Good. What's up? I just think the biggest mistake of the whole thing and why they, they will not franchise him again next year for $25 million is that you have to sit on that $25 million and now they're sitting on this $14 million 
that is wasted, and they could have used. That's the biggest mistake that Culver. Well, it's not wasted. The Steelers get to keep fourteen mil, and I'm sure there's a part of Art Rooney II that doesn't mind that too much. Well, yeah, but that would have been great if they would have used that money on what someone on. Yeah, but Swabby, they don't usually use money to bring in big name free agents. I think having that money available would have offered little guarantee in that regard. There are exceptions with James Farrier being the most notable that I can think of, but he was an exception and hardly the rule. Let's go real quick to Tyler on the road. Tyler, you got about 15 seconds. Hey, Mark. Uh, good afternoon. I think we, we pulled the tag, and the concern about him going to New England isn't probably a real concern. He's not going to play for anything less than a big money deal, and I don't think New England is going to pony up a deal. This you know season. what? You're probably right, but... I think he'd consider it to F the Steelers. Because James Harrison, make no mistake, I know the Harrison sympathizers, and I can't believe there's any left, but there are. They say, oh, the Steelers should have played him. They should have played him. He wanted to compete. He wanted to win a Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. James Harrison finagled his way to New England to F the Steelers. To get back at the Steelers, even though they paid him and treated him great, and stuck up for the wife beater when they shouldn't have, he wanted to go there to F the Steelers. No question. There's not a loyal bone in James Harrison's body. Not one loyal bone in his body. Up next, we talk hockey with Josh Joey of TheAthletic.com. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Yep. You want an answer. You don't want no uh, hee-hawing. Well, I really do like the hee-hawing. DX at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, he covers the Penguins in the NHL for TheAthletic.com. We're joined by Josh Showy. Josh, was last night's lineup in the exhibition against Buffalo pretty close to the lineup we're going to see on opening night a week from now for the Penguins? I think so. Uh, other than Justin Schultz being out of the lineup, I think he'll be fine, obviously, for next week. I think he'll be in. Ricola will probably be out, even though he has been quite the training camp sensation. But those top four lines that we saw, I really think that game was a dress rehearsal for Mike Sullivan. That's how it came across to me. And in speaking with Jim Rutherford today, uh, Daniel Sprong is going to be in the top 12. He'll be on the ice against the Capitals on opening night, but it sure sounds to me like he will be on the fourth line. Well, we'll get to Sprong in just a minute, uh, but what's your take on the third line, which last night was Broussard, Rust, and Simone? I was pretty impressed. I liked it. I think everybody is cast properly on that line. I like Brian Rust, and I like the fact that he can literally play on any of the four lines, but the third line is probably just about right for him, Mark. I mean, he's a third liner on a really good team, and I thought he was great last night. He was maybe the fastest guy on the ice, looked wonderful. Uh, Broussard... Listen, Broussard is probably the biggest question mark on this team going into the season. Are, are we going to see the Derek Broussard that we saw in the playoffs last year? Because if we are, I don't know how much he helps. But if we're going to see the Broussard who the Penguins thought they were acquiring in February, that makes an awfully big difference for this team. And and I, I like how those guys have looked. I really do. Uh, Dominic Simone joins me at 5.30 p.m., Josh. And boy, <laughs> the dressing room really thinks Simone is a good player. Uh, you wrote at theathletic.com, some of the thoughts of Chris Letang and Ole Mata, who I spoke to, and I talked to Sidney Crosby last night, and he said that Dominic Simone, when it comes to hockey IQ, is among the top five on the team. And 
I don't think Sid said stuff like that cavalierly. No, credit where it's due, Mark. You kind of told me to write that story. You said, listen to Tanger talking about Simone. And so then I just started asking him more questions about him. And, and it's unbelievable. He is universally loved in that locker room. I think I told you the story last week on the air. You know, Matt Murray and I were talking. And I, I basically said, well, is he really that great? And Murray looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, yeah, he's got the fastest hands on the team, which I still don't buy. But he does do subtle things that I think players appreciate, and Sid loves him. Everybody loves him, the coaching staff. You ask Mike Sullivan to talk about Daniel Sprong, and he'll say, eh, he's had a mixed bag, he's got some talent. You ask him about Dominic Simone like somebody did yesterday, he literally talked for two minutes about you know how incredible this kid is, so he's going to be on the team. And in a bottom six role, I actually don't mind him. I don't look at him as a top six player, but on that third line, he might work. I, I think third line is actually perfect for Simone. And when you hear guys like Sid and Muzz and Tanger and Ole talk about him, yeah. So effusively, you got to give him a second look. Now, uh, staying with that line, I like Rust a lot better on right wing than left wing. And just because he can play left wing doesn't mean he should. And I don't move Rust to left wing to accommodate Sprong. No, and I, they've made that decision. Uh, Rust is a very important man on this team. And, he, yeah, he can play left wing. Now, there's some guys like Hornquist and Phil who really can't play left wing at all. Rust can if you need him. You know, for a couple of games here and there. We've seen that with him, but he's clearly more comfortable on the right side. He's played there all of his life. And uh, never discount how important he is to that team. Uh, just the speed he plays with, the fact that he can kill penalties, that you can move him around, that's an important thing. And, and so much of it is about Sprung. And if they have decided that Kessel, Hornquist, and Rust are all better players than Sprung right now, and, you know, who could deny that at this point in time, then that's what the lineup's going to be. And, Will we see Sprong on the fourth line? Yeah, I guess we will. I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, he didn't look particularly comfortable there to me last night, but they don't really have any other option. Well, Jim Rutherford told you he's disappointed with the performances of Sprong and Zach Aston Reese in training camp, and they weren't exactly on fire, were they? No, and, and he certainly had an excuse for Aston Reese, and, and perhaps it's a valid one. He, he mentioned the broken jaw at the hands of Tom Wilson. He said, hey, the kid couldn't really train in the summer the way he wanted to. That's a very difficult injury to overcome. There's different levels of broken jaws. He had a really bad one. Uh, he I mean, he wouldn't have been able to play for a couple of months at least. So you have to consider that. I didn't think he was horrible in camp. I don't think he has been, but I think he's probably starting the season in Wilkes-Barre. And uh, Sprong, Jim was very blunt. He said, we are disappointed. He, he, said, um, he said, you know, he hasn't been horrible. He thinks he's going to be a very good NHL player, but they expected more. Sprong doesn't seem to embrace the urgency of his situation ever. He kind of gives the same effort, plays the same game. I'm not being critical, but that's just how I see him. Yeah, I won't say he's arrogant. He doesn't find a different level ever. Yeah, I, I just he, he strikes me as the kind of guy who has always been the best player on every team he's ever played for, and I'm sure he has been. And when you get to the NHL and you happen to be in a locker room with some of the best players in the world, well, guess what? You're not the best player anymore, and it's a very difficult forward lineup to crack. And, yeah, maybe he's been the victim of that a little bit. And, listen, he's only 21, so I'm, I'm not exactly giving up on him. I certainly see the talent, but when I look at this team right now and the way they play and how deep they are, I don't necessarily know how much he fits in or how much he's going to help this year. Well, if Sprong does play right wing on the fourth line with Cullen and Shane, what do they expect out of Sprong <laughs> in terms of style? I mean, can that really work? I have my doubts. I mean, Cullen in particular is a pretty skilled guy. He knows how to play with talented players. So I'm not saying he can't help him a little bit, but still, Colin and Shea, and you look at how they play. They're, they're two-way guys. You're going to have them out there. I and mean, if you're going to have those two guys on a line, 
You need to be using them in defensive situations. That's why you have them. Two good face-off guys, both natural centers, both very good defensive players. So Sullivan will want to use them, you would think, in that capacity. But Daniel Sprong doesn't fit into that mold at all. So I, I just don't know how they're going to deploy that line. It's not that those three guys can't mesh necessarily, but I, I would certainly wonder just how much ice time Sprong is going to see. Now, oh, we're talking to Josh Shoei of TheAthletic.com here on the Mark Madden Show. Uh, Juso Ricola on defense. He's been the camp sensation yeah. and has certainly played well enough to make the team, but I'm not so sure he can. I think if he had played twice as well as he has and he's played great, <laughs> I think he still starts the season in Wilkes. Yeah, I do too. Um, he, he doesn't have to clear waivers, so it's very safe to let him go down there. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with letting him go down to Wilkesbury for a month and dominate. Uh, remember, he's only been playing North American hockey for two weeks now. Uh, and he has adjusted very well to the ring size and everything else, but I don't think it's a problem if he goes to Wilkes-Barre, and I suspect that is what's going to happen. They don't want to risk losing Chad Ruedel if they would try to send him down. But I do think if somebody in the top six gets hurt, I think they call Ricola up, and I bet he goes into the lineup ahead of Chad Ruedel. That that would be my guess. I think they think if he's a better. If it's for more than one game, yeah. I mean, I... Ruedel would go in if it was like you know a hangnail and somebody missed right. one game. But I think yeah, for long term. I think they might call up Ricola. Yeah, and I, you know, I just don't know how good the guy is yet. Uh, obviously, he can play, but it's still only been a few preseason games against lineups that, frankly, didn't have a ton of NHL caliber talent in some cases, especially last night's with the lineup Buffalo sent here. So I, I'm not saying he's not the real deal, Mark. He might go on to be a very good NHL player. He certainly appears to have all the attributes, but I still want to see a little bit more before I, I make up my mind entirely on him. But no question, he's been impressive, and this is the deepest blue line the Penguins have had in a really long time. I mean, listen, Ruedel and this guy is your 7-8 and eight defenseman. That's pretty good. Now, uh, I agree that Ricole will start the season at Wilkes, but can he beat out Alexiak before the season's over? Could he put Alexiak in the press box? Because... I don't think the other five are within his reach, unless he played so well he'd force a trade. But the one guy I think he could sit down would be Alexiak. And I think it's a long shot. I think it's possible. It, sure, it's conceivable. And I guess he would be the first guy that I would uh, think of in that realm as well. But you know what the, the thing is, and it's a good thing for the Penguins, Mark, I think Alexiak's pretty good. I think he got better and better as last season went on. Oh, no, I'm not denigrating. No, I know. But That's just what, what are you going to do? They're just not going to sit Tanger, Dumo, yeah. Schultz, Mata, Mata or no, Jacko. They're not. No, they're not, and not one defenseman has had a poor camp. And they're Every, not going to trade him either. Highly unlikely that they would trade any of those guys, so it's not a bad problem to have. It's a good thing, and you know people on the blue line tend to get injured. The Penguins were actually lucky last season. They were pretty healthy on the blue line. And like Jim Rutherford told me today, someone's probably going to get hurt, and it's not going to be that big of an issue. But, um, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out because this guy, I think we can agree he's better than we realized, and I think he's better than the Penguins realized too. Uh, Jack Johnson has had a good preseason, and I think he's looked comfortable with different partners mm -hmm. and on both sides. And not that the Penguins will be looking to move him from side to side and from partner to partner, but it's nice to have a guy that can do that and I'm not sure they really, truly had that before. I think they thought Alexiak was that, yeah. but I think Johnson is better at it. Well, he has played a ton on the right side. He looked good last night uh, in that very position. And uh, I said to Jim, I said, Jim, people gave you so much crap for that that signing in July. How do you feel about it now? And he said, what are you talking about? A lot of people around the league called me and said it was a good move. I said, well, that's not what I heard, but but I'm sure some people didn't. He he is so confident in what he's seen in Jack Johnson, and, and he said, you know, all the analytical numbers about him, uh, everything people had to say, he said, guess what? Sometimes certain players thrive in certain systems, and the Penguins are convinced 
that Jack Johnson is the right fit here, that Sergei Gonchar is working his magic on him. I think he's been good in training camp, obviously, until the real games start. It doesn't mean a whole lot, but I think he'll be just fine. I, I, I do, and uh, this blue line is in a better situation now than it's been in a couple of years. Now, Matt Murray looked good last night in goal. Uh, I talked to him briefly after, and Muzz said he feels 100%. And I sense that Murray is really ready for the new season. In fact, I sense that about the entire locker room. Yeah, he, he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he knows he didn't have a great season last year. And I think Matt's one of those guys. He would never admit it, but I think he's pretty aware of his reputation, what people around the league think and say. And I think there is this idea of him, whether it's fair or not, that he was simply a good goalie playing for a great team that won those two cups, and a lot of goalies could have won those cups. And I think that irritates him a little bit. I think he wants to prove himself that he is you know, truly an elite goaltender in this league. So he's just got this kind of quiet confidence about him right now. And when he has that, he usually uh, shows it on the ice and plays very well. I think he's going to have an excellent season. I, I think he's the real deal I always have. And, uh, yeah, he did not have a great season, but he looks very sharp in practice really every day. So I, I think he's going to rebound in a big way. The top two lines are about what we all expected, but will Sid and Hornquist together last long? Uh, history says no. Um, they like to tinker. If that line has a couple of bad games, and frankly it didn't do much last night, um, you'll see some changes because that's the nature of the game. I don't think Sid loves playing with Hornquist. He never really has, but they usually work together. And in particular, those three in the playoffs last year were just superb. So I, I think it's the safest first line for the Penguins. You know those three work, and you know Malkin and, and Phil and Haglin work. So those are two very safe combinations that I think you'll see start the season. They'll tinker. You know, I bet Sprong gets a look on the top line for a few games here and there. It'd be kind of silly if he didn't. You'll see that at some point when they go into a little bit of a slump. But they don't want to start the season slowly like they did last year, Mark. They don't want to have to fight their way into the playoffs in March and April. And they know a fast start is really important for them, so they don't have to worry about that. So they're more worried about winning games right now than they are developing players or, or tinkering with combinations. So you'll see Hornquist there for a while. Well, Hornquist and Sid playing together is always a good debate because the combination doesn't work great in the neutral zone because Horny doesn't have the speed mm -hmm. and really that one-touch type of thing Sid likes. Right. But Horny's so great down low... He helps Sid Donlow, and he makes Sid play more Donlow, which I think is Sid's strength that he might not utilize enough. And he also makes Crosby shoot the puck more. And even though Sid's the greatest playmaker in the game, I still think it's a good thing when he gets a little greedy and tries to score goals. I've always believed that. Same with Malkin. And that's why I thought the Malkin-Hornquist-Haglin line was so good last year. Those guys aren't natural finishers. Malkin had to take it upon himself to shoot the puck more to, to look to create offense on his own, and it worked. I think the same thing happens with Sid. And Hornquist, you know, he's just such of a bulldozer out there. He creates space for Sid, especially when they're working together down low. He, he just has that knack. And with Gensel and Sid, they have such chemistry. You don't need Hornquist to, to really involve himself in the playmaking all that much. So I, it, it's a combination that works. Is the Eastern Conference made up of teams that suck and teams that are great? Because I see <laughs> about six teams in the East that have zero chance to make the playoffs, which will make it kind of a weird season with probably inflated point totals for the better teams and inflated point totals for the top scores. You do have a way with words, Mark. I think that's a perfect way to put the East. There's a few teams in the East that are just rotten. Montreal and Ottawa, really, really bad hockey teams. Rangers? Islanders, Rangers, they're not much better. 
Carolina? Um, yeah, they stink, too. I Buffalo's still not that good. They're, Buffalo's the only borderline team. Yeah, but in that division, Toronto and Boston and Tampa and Florida, to me, are clearly the, the four playoff teams. And in the Penguins division in the Metro, you got Pittsburgh and Washington and Columbus and Philly and Jersey. Four of those five are probably going to get in. That's just the way it is. So, yeah, you are going to see inflated point totals. I bet the President's Trophy comes in the East this year just because they're going to get to play against all those awful teams. There's a lot of easy wins. And it's funny, the league hasn't been like that, really, for the last few years. There's been so much parity. It's a little bit different in the East right now. And finally, are the Flyers selling cocaine in Finland? It's like the Iran-Contra affair. Well, I don't think it's a question of whether or not the Flyers are selling cocaine in Finland. I think it's a question of where aren't they selling cocaine, Mark. I mean, I, I think that's a fair question, is it not? You could stuff a lot of drugs in the Gritty's head. Oh, I'm sure he's involved. I don't think there's any doubt. You, you know, uh, I've learned that the reason Gritty has that uh, <laughs> that uh, that huge swath of facial hair, he's been growing his playoff beard since 1975. Do you think the Pirate Parrot's involved in this at all? <laughs> I don't think there's... Much doubt. That's Josh Joey from The Athletic. He's brought to you by Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, I think you're absolutely hilarious. It's an acquired taste. You, you have the answer, Mark. Thank you. Wait, I wasn't done insulting you. The X at 105.9. Joining me now is Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob. Uh, I was shocked by the Mark Cabali news that uh, Le'Veon Bell's price tag on the franchise tag will go up next year if he doesn't play a game this year. But if he no-shows the Steelers totally and sits out the entire 2018 season, they would have to franchise him or he would be an unrestricted free agent. And I just don't think they want to go through all this again. No. That was shocking news, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my only question now is, why haven't they rescinded it yet? Because I don't think there's anybody still down there that wants Lev Bell to show up at any point for the Steelers. His teammates are sick and tired of talking about it, getting asked about it. The management has to be ready to move on from that. And as you said, for a while now, he absolutely is. Well, the problem is, what if he finagled his way to New England? You know, what if, what if they rescinded the tag and he went to a team that could hurt the Steelers? I don't know, go to Baltimore? I don't know what their cap situation is. I'm kind of spitballing here. Go to New England and help them in the playoffs. Then again, if they don't rescind the franchise tag and he decides to come in, he could be drunk, fat, and high. And Well, no, he doesn't drink. He's just high. He could be fat, high, and unmotivated. And, and, and fake injury for all we know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, just go back to the conversation we had yesterday. Uh, something good. Uh, yeah, you can stop him from going somewhere else. Um, but... Boy, do you do you want this guy on your team at all? I think the bridges are burned here. The Steelers absolutely No, I would probably rescind the tag if he tried to sign it. I wonder what they do if when he picks up his pen, they just yank <laughs> the paper out real quick. Rescind it! Delete! 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 Uh, I wouldn't want him on my team again under any circumstances. But after what happened with Harrison last year and the way he embarrassed the Steelers and went to a big rival... And clearly played the Steelers for fools. He clearly manipulated them in a way that he should not have, given his history with the club and what they paid and what they did and what they stood behind Harrison after doing. I wonder if they want to risk that kind of embarrassment again, although it couldn't possibly be as embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I think we're already at that point, the way it's gone uh, so far this season. And as Jerry Dulac talked about, 
with you in the three o'clock hour. He kept using the, you know, the phrase in good faith. There's no good faith. I don't think on either side right now. I think that the, the relationship is absolutely broken. And I agree with you. I don't think Mark, if he gets unrestricted free agency status at the end of this year, why would he come back this year? with how bad this has been going, with how fractured this relationship is. I think his plan now, knowing what we know, is to sit out the entire time and be a UFA next year and then, you know, see what free agency can do with him. But as you talked about also in the 3 o'clock hour, I don't think that that market for him is as strong or as good as it was at the beginning of the season. Well, I quoted a story where a bunch of GMs projected his value at uh, five years Sixty million, which is ten million dollars less than the Steelers offered Bell for five years. I don't think this is working. I, I think that his cavalier attitude, the fact that he's kind of stuck it to the Steelers a few mm-hmm. times uh, in video and in social media, and the fact that he looks fat and that people are openly qu- uh, calling his dedication to the game into question. And I certainly am. I think here's a guy who wants football money for playing as little football as possible. I feel like Bell thinks he's done his work, and now it's time to get paid and just kind of coast. That's exactly it. I read some of the articles also with GMs and you know people, executives in the NFL, saying that you know kind of the bloom is off the rose there. So that's $10 million you know, that he, sh- he could be down from the contract offered to- by the Steelers last year, plus all of the money that he's losing this year. Mark, he doesn't make that money back up. Well, no, I don't know. Let me play devil's advocate. And this assumes he's not high and suspended because of it, that he gets into shape, and that he's dedicated, which are a hat trick of terrible assumptions. Right. But if he sits out the whole year and dodges a whole year of wear and tear, when, frankly, Bob, he really could afford to do that, given all the touches, he might make that year up at the end. I think if he came back for a partial season... It wouldn't help him as much as he thinks, not literally or in terms of perception. But if he sits out the whole year and really does get himself back on course, he might make that year up at the end. Well, I think that the problem with him and why he wants his guaranteed money, you know, now up front and why we got to the point where we're at, they don't make the money up at the end. I mean, I think that what. Oh, no, no, that's true. But I'm just saying that I think it's likely he never gets the money he, he, he turned on this year. Right. But he could, theoretically, could he could in guaranteed ways. I guess. I guess what he's you know it's it's come to fruition that he is only looking at guaranteed money. He wants paid right now, and well, I agree uh, with Bob, you. I'll be blunt. I think he wants guaranteed money because once he gets it, he doesn't have to give a crap anymore, and he can train and try and perform minimally. Absolutely. He now, ain't you Todd finished Gurley. my sentence. For Todd me. Gurley want Todd Gurley wants to excel. I think for Le'Veon Bell, the end game was the money. Emphasis on the money, emphasis on the end. Everything points to that right now. He wants to be paid for what he was going into this year, not what he can be moving forward, because moving forward, he's just another year older. And, of course, there's no more tread off the tire because he sat out this year, but he does have injuries in his background. He does have, you know, diminishing production in his background also, and I think that that trend will continue. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by 84 Lumber. I have the Steelers' current injury report based on practice today. Dale Lawley of DK posted that. And I'm going to really crucify Darius Hayward Bay because I think he's a worthless first-run bust who has one job and can't even do it. 105.9 The X.